0: Good morning church, it's such an honor to to stand before you today and to, to bring the message while Pastor Matthew and Erica, and Jackson and Olivia and Reese are have been in Florida this week as many of you know, being beach bums there and um, they'll be headed back, uh, or they'll be back I think tomorrow, so we, we want to pray for them and safe travels as they head back home. But... Um, So it's been almost three months now since uh, we started serving here on staff, and it's been such a joy to uh, get to know you, to serve alongside of you. I want to say thank you to your warm welcome that you've extended to me and my family. Um, We love y'all so much, and we feel right here. We feel right at home here at Poplar Springs. We're so excited about what the Lord's doing here, and we couldn't be more thankful that He's led us to be part of Poplar Springs. So today, uh, today's scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you want to find your place in your copy of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be starting with verse 14. Um, we're going to be um, talking today about power. And I uh, thank you, Trey, for all those songs that, that uh, you led this morning and the praise team and the choir led us and songs of power Telling us about God's power uh, and and the living hope that we find in Him. So this morning as we get started, I wanted to um, just share something with you here that I brought with me as a little illustration. So you'll see here I've got some batteries. So these are Duracell AA batteries. But they they say they're new with power boost ingredients. So they aren't just any kind of batteries. They have power boosts, okay? So I want you to remember that. And I'm not here as a spokesperson or a salesman for Duracell, but I want you to remember that uh, uh, what they have here. It's just going to help us as we go through our, our message this morning. So as I looked online to see what was up and what these batteries were all about. So here's what it says online as it describes these batteries. It says at Duracell, we provide trusted power to those who depend on us to keep their lives charged. Duracell CopperTop batteries with power boost ingredients deliver dependable power to your everyday devices throughout your home like toys, remote controls, flashlights, calculators, clocks, radios, wireless mice, keyboards and more. So the pack of high performance one and a half volt batteries will last in storage for up to 12 years. So you can rest assured they will be ready when you need them. So we're proud to offer you Duracell 1.5-volt copper top AA batteries as part of our trusted lineup of batteries. From storm season to holiday needs, Duracell's the number one trusted battery for the moments that matter most. So, wow, that's, that's some impressive marketing right there. So did you catch all of that? These batteries... These batteries provide you with trusted power to keep your lives charged. Think about that for a minute. These batteries deliver dependable power. They will be ready when you need them in the moments that matter most. So let's think today. We're going to think today as we go into God's Word, we're going to read about a much greater power, a power that never fails us. A power that we can always trust and depend on to keep our lives charged at all times. Unlike batteries that eventually stop working, that need replacing, the power this morning that we're going to talk about never stops working in our lives. It's available to us all the time. So we're going to go to God's Word now this morning. We're going to look at verses 14 through 21 in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, as we look at this prayer this morning, this is a powerful, a passionate prayer that Paul prays. He's praying for the church at Ephesus. Paul had spent time in, uh, in Ephesus. He had spent time there with these people. He had invested his time in his teaching and his preaching. And we see here, he has a passion. He has a burden, and he, he has a prayer for them this morning. And as Paul prays, I want us to uh, look here and, and think about what stands out, what stands out in Paul's prayer? So we're going to look this morning at three things that stand out about this prayer that, that Paul prayed. And this prayer can be a guide for us as individuals. It can be a guide for us collectively as a church to help us and guide us in our prayer life. So first this morning, we find a petition of the Spirit for His essential power. So the first thing we see that stands out about Paul's prayer is that it's a petition of the Spirit for His essential power. So the prayer starts out in verse 14 with these words, For this reason. So Paul is referring to all the things that he has described in chapters 1 and chapters 2 of the book of Ephesians and how God has poured out His spiritual blessings on His people. How He has saved them Through his grace. He's remembering all that God has done in their lives. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 4. If you have your Bible you can flip uh, probably over uh, back a page. And you'll see in uh, chapter 2 starting in verse 4. It says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even Your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we see here as Paul, as he starts out his prayer, he's going back. He's reminding here as he writes the letter to the church at Ephesus, he's reminding them of what God has done in their lives. What He's done in the life of... Uh, individually, what He's done in the lives uh, as a church as a whole. He's reminded them here, and it's a great example for us in our prayer life to remember what God has done in our lives as individuals and as a church when we pray and to give Him thanks and praise for all that He's done. We see here in verse 14, as Paul continues, he says, "...I bow my knees." I bow my knees before the Father. So the posture that is described here to us is one of bowing. Oftentimes we think about bowing to a king, bowing to a queen. But here Paul is bowing his knees to the Father, who is also the King of kings. What a relationship we have when we go to the Lord in prayer. As we go to Him as our Father, we can talk to the King of kings, the Creator, one who made us, who has a great plan for us. So Paul bows his, knee. his knees here to show his honor, his awe, and his respect of his Father. More importantly in this prayer, we see the posture of Paul's heart. The posture of his heart reveals this earnest and humble prayer. In verse 15, as we continue on, we see that God's Word says, "...from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named." Every family in heaven and on earth is named, that is, from whom all people are named. The Father, from whom all people are named. In the Bible, the word named refers to the definition of one's identity. So God the Father, the Creator of all things, is also the one who names creatures. To name something is to show superiority and control over them. God is the source. He's the namer of all things. And Paul is acknowledging that as he begins his prayer. He's acknowledging who the Father is. He's acknowledging as he bows the, his knees to the Father that he's the one who created us and who is over all of us. <clears throat> we move on to verse 16 and we find here Paul's petition here as we find these words that according to the riches of his glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Now think about those words. This is where we find Paul's petition here. We find that the people would be strengthened. That's his prayer. He's gone. He's invested. He's taught. He's preached God's Word to these people. And now he's he's away. He's in prison. And he's writing back. He's writing this letter to them that they would be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our source of power. It's power that is essential for us in our lives. That we have the Holy Spirit's leading and His power, His guidance directing us each step of the way as we go through life. So not too long ago, I left the house one evening to head down toward Loretta's in Oakwood to pick up some dinner one night. <clears throat> but by the time I arrived, there was no power there. No power at Loretta's. I couldn't believe it. It was kind of strange because there were no signs, invisible signs around. There had been a, no storm. But I got there. It happened quickly. They didn't have lights. The drive through speaker wasn't working. The register was down. So they couldn't operate. They couldn't operate. See, the things that were essential for Loretta's to operate They weren't there. They couldn't function because the power was gone. The power was out. I'm not sure what had happened, but there was powder outage all along Mundy Mill Road. None of the business were able to function. So it reminded me here as we look at this text this morning is power is essential for us to work and for us to function as a follower of Jesus Christ. We must have his power guiding our life and strengthening us. 1 Corinthians 6:19 tells us, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own." So we're not our own. Think about it, our body is the temple where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells and lives inside of us, and that indwelling of the Holy Spirit takes place at the moment when we believe, the moment we become a Christian. That Holy Spirit comes inside of us to dwell, to equip us and to help us. So Paul here is praying, as he starts his prayer, he's praying that the Lord will fill the people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, with power that they would be strong. They would be strong in their walk with the Lord so that they can do the things that He calls them to do. It reminds us, as we look at John 15:5, when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we're reminded this morning that we need that power in our life. It's essential for us to Function the way God wants us to function. Paul's prayer asks God to grant this power according to the riches of His glory. The riches of His glory. He says, as he prays, he's asking for the riches of His glory. Those resources that God can give to meet our every need. And he knows that that comes solely from God. So we have to ask the question this morning as we start Uh, in this passage of Scripture, when is the last time that we have prayed? That we have prayed to be strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. When's the last time we've prayed that prayer? What a prayer we see this morning from Paul and what an example it is for us today. We must realize that we need His help. We need His strength and be totally dependent on Him as we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. His power is essential his power is essential for us to go strong as we go into battle every day and do the things that God calls us to do. Second thing we see this morning in, in Paul's prayer is we see the pursuit of a deeper relationship with Christ through His enabling power. Now think about that. We're going to look here in this prayer. There's three pursuits that we see. Three things that Paul is praying that the, the people at Ephesus, that he's praying for them, is they, that they would pursue in their walk a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So starting in verse 17, we see the words, So that. So connecting here, connecting the dots where he just left off, where he was asking for the, for the power to fill them, that he, the power would strengthen them, so that. So as a result of the church at Ephesus realizing that the power is essential for their lives and that they need that power, praying for that power to strengthen them because here's what comes next. Here's what, we are, what, what Paul's praying for the church. He prays here um, in this prayer that the second thing we notice here is, is that pursuit, that pursuit of a deeper relationship through his enabling power. So it's his power that enables us. His power enables us. Let me share a little story with you quickly here. My wife Carrie, she told me a few weeks ago that it was time to groom our our little dog. It was time. I thought to myself, really? For you see, that's quite a task in our house, it's quite a task. During COVID, she started grooming our little dog, Honey, and she didn't have much luck. She's not very fond of, of getting her hair cut and being groomed. It's just She's not comfortable with it. So, in fact, it was impossible for Carrie. She threw her hands up. I remember and she said, I can't do it by myself. I give up. I need help. So, here comes her helper, right? Either me or, or Caroline comes along, depending on, on the day to come along to help, come by her side. So we had a little trick. Our little dog loves skinny pop popcorn, skinny pop popcorn of all things. So you can see I sit in the floor right beside Carrie when she's grooming little honey, give her a few pieces of popcorn along the way to keep her occupied, to keep her happy, keep, keep her content. So this enables Carrie to do something that she can't do on her own. So that story reminds us this morning that we need God's enabling power. Because these things here that we see this morning, these things He wants us to pursue, we can't do on our own. So the first, the first pursuit in verse, uh, verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell. We know the word dwell means to live, to take up abode. It indicates a permanent residence, to be at home, to dwell. So when we think about that, God wants Christ to be at home in our hearts. Each of His children, that's His desire that Christ would be at home in our hearts, that His character, His wisdom, His presence and His power would be known to us. He wants our hearts to be a place where His presence is welcome. His presence is desired. We know that He's a permanent resident in every saved person. But this is a request that He, that he might have a lordship over every aspect of our lives. So that He can rule, so that He can reign in our hearts. So as we think about allowing Christ to dwell, allowing Christ to rule and reign in our hearts... There's a few verses here that will guide us in that pursuit. So first of all, we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts from idols. First John 5.21 warns us, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You know, we know that idols are anything that takes the place of God in our heart. Anything that comes in that becomes more important than His rightful place. So for Christ to rule, for Christ to reign in our hearts, we need to no longer live according to the sinful desires of the flesh. We find over in Galatians 2.20, God's Word says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. in The Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. In addition, if we want to allow Christ to dwell, to reign, to rule in our hearts, we, we need to strive to be more like Him. Philippians 2.5 tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this pursuit, this pursuit involves surrendering to Him, His ways and His plans for our life. It involves seeking first the kingdom, God and His righteousness. It comes through faith and complete dependence on Him. We need the Spirit's enabling power to help us go deeper in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord. So second here, we see another pursuit. The second pursuit we see here uh, at the end of verse 17. The, uh, Paul's writing says, being rooted and grounded in love, and it rolls over into verse 18, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's the second pursuit that we see this morning, to comprehend, to know the love of Christ. And it says before that that we have to be rooted. We have to be rooted and grounded. When we think about the word rooted, it reminds us of a tree, a tree that has deep roots that go into the soil to have strong nourishment and stability. So likewise, the Christian must have spiritual roots that go deep into the love of God, that are grounded deep in His love. We find here, grounded. We know that's an architectural term, to be grounded. It talks about a foundation on which we build. The foundation of our faith rests on the love of God. Romans 5.5 tells us that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and that love becomes the foundation of our lives. We've experienced the the love of God in our lives firsthand. If we have trusted Him, if we've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, we've experienced that love. John 3.16, we know, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then 1 John 4.16 tells us, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So as we put all this together here in this second pursuit, we see that the requirement, we have to be grounded. We have to be rooted in. In love, that's the basis of the prayer because the church is already experiencing the love of Christ. That love becomes the foundation of our life that can lead us to go deeper in our experience of God's love. So we find here that God's love is wider, it's longer, it's deeper, it's higher than we can imagine. Paul prays that the church would have the strength to comprehend God's love in a deeper way. That they would have a pursuit, a desire to understand more about His love. But that love surpasses knowledge. So will we ever fully understand it? No. But it should be our desire to understand as much as we can to comprehend God's love so we can be drawn closer to Him. We can understand His love in a deeper way so we understand more about Him and the love He has for us so we can love others in the same way that He loves. So simply stated, His love is wide. He loved the whole world. His love is long in that it's for all eternity. His love is deep in that Christ died on the cross to rescue us from the deep pit of sin. And His love is high. His love is high in that we've been raised up with Christ and seated with Him in the heavenly places. So to comprehend and to know His love in a deeper way, requires His enabling power. Something we can't do on our own. Something we can't understand without His power. The third pursuit here we see this morning is that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with the fullness of God. The prayer is that God will fill us. He will flood us with His wisdom, with His grace, with everything that He has given us. All that He intends for His people ruling and reigning and having his perfect way in our lives so that we are more like him in his character, his attributes, and in his love. So in order for these things to happen, these three pursuits, again, we're reminded we need the enabling power of the Holy Spirit for we cannot do it on our own. The last thing this morning that we see in these verses starting in verse 20. We find the words, Now to him who is able... Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we see a praise this morning. We see in this prayer that Paul prays, we see a praise to God for His extraordinary power. For He is able. His power is exceeding. It's much more than we can even imagine, even more than we can think. There is nothing that we ask of God that He's not capable, and yet we cannot even begin to conceive the extent of His power and His ability. So I ask you a question this morning. What would you like to see God do in your life? What would you like to see God do and to move in your life? Paul's prayer asks for Him to work and to strengthen us and move through us. He wants to do more than you can imagine. God possesses infinite, complete, and perfect power. Our capabilities are limited. But God is able. God is able this morning. So if you feel like you're in a hopeless spot, the back, your back's against the wall, don't lose hope. God is able. He's there to help and to strengthen us this morning. And we find here that it's by the power already working inside of us. The power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is careful here to point out that the work is not done. The end result is not because of our work, our labor, it's because of Him. He points to Him and He gives Him all the glory. So that glory is His for all that's accomplished in our lives as individuals, for all that's accomplished in the life of our church, the glory belongs to Him. I remember after the University of Georgia won the national championship back in January that Nakobe Dean, one of UGA's linebackers who led the defense, he took a knee on the field after the game and he bowed his head. And then in a post-game press conference, he said, I had to thank God. Without Him, none of this would have been possible. Every step of the way, I thanked Him for putting me in this position, putting my team in this position, and I just thank Him for everything. So in that moment of great celebration, great accomplishment, this young man, he pointed to God and he gave Him the praise for all that had happened. So do we praise Him? Do we give Him credit for our spiritual victories and His answered prayer? Let's always be mindful to praise Him for His exceeding, extraordinary power that He shows to us. So as we wrap up this morning, as we recap what we've talked about, we've we've learned that God's power is essential. God's power is essential for us to work, to do what He's called us to do, to be His follower and His disciple. We find, though, that God's power is enabling Thank goodness, because we can't do it on our own, but through His power, He enables us. And last of all, His power is extraordinary. His power is beyond our, well, our comprehension. It exceeds it. So as we conclude this morning, just think about an object, any kind of object that needs a battery. You think about one in your house, a toy, a flashlight, a clock, whatever it may be. It's no good without the presence of the batteries inside it that work. So the kids, as they were, when they were younger, they used to have all those toys, you know, that required batteries, that made all kind of sounds, that lit up, that played music. And when the batteries would stop working, they would come to me and say, hey, it's sitting working. The battery's dead. I remember Luke had some little remote-controlled vehicles, and, you know, they just sat there. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't move. They were no good until we put the batteries in. And then they were empowered. It enabled those cars to move and function. Remember Caroline, when she was younger, she had this little green stuffed frog toy called Baby Tad. Baby Tad. He would play songs, he would sing, he would talk, he would repeat a color or shape when you would press those buttons. When those batteries died, he just sat there. Baby Tad just sat there. He just looked. It was kind of boring. Couldn't do anything that it was designed to do. But once we took the batteries and put them inside, that baby Tad had the power and allowed her to work as intended. So this morning as we, as we wind up, likewise, let's think about us. Are we like a battery this morning in a pack? Are we here in the pack and we're waiting? We need God's power. We need need, uh, to allow Him to use us. We're no good on our own. We need His power inside of us so we can be equipped to do what He wants to accomplish through us. His power is essential. It's enabling and it's extraordinary. So as we conclude this morning, He is able. I want you to remember those words. He is is able. So do you believe? Do you believe he can? Do you believe? Do you need a power boost this morning? Do you believe he can? Remember, the Bible tells us he can move the mountains. So when you pray, do you pray with power? Do you pray for power? How would you characterize your prayers? As we look this morning in Paul's prayer, we don't find any reference about his The physical needs, the material needs, it's all focused on the needs, the spiritual needs, the spiritual power. So his prayer at Ephesus is a wonderful guide for us today. It's a wonderful reminder that we can use as we pray, as individuals and as we pray as a church. What can God do? We ask that question, what can He do? Well, He can do what seems impossible to us, So if you're in a situation that's hopeless, don't give up. He's able. The Bible tells us that He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him in Hebrews 7.25. The uttermost, all complete, entire, tells us that God is able to save believers for all eternity and that salvation is a finished work. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ. You don't have this power that we've been talking about this morning within you yet. I'm here to tell you that God is able. He's able to save you no matter your, your your background, no matter where you are this morning, He's able. He's able also to keep us from stumbling, to present us blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. Jude 1.24 So his power works within His people to make them righteous. So maybe you're here this morning you need to turn over a situation in your life you're struggling with. You need to trust Him to keep you from stumbling. He's able. He's able to do that. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you're here and you want to ask God to help you in your pursuit. The pursuits that we looked at this morning of allowing Christ to dwell, to rule, to reign in your heart having that strength to comprehend and know the love of God, to be filled with all the fullness of God. You've realized maybe today that you need that power, that it's essential, it's enabling, and it's extraordinary. Romans 16.25 said that God is able to strengthen you. He's able to strengthen you. I want you to hear that this morning. If you're like that battery in the pack that's dormant, the power's available not just it's not being used so maybe you need to come today and ask the holy spirit to strengthen you today with his power so that you'll be equipped you'll be equipped to do what he's called you to do maybe you need to come maybe you need to thank him where you are today thank god for his extraordinary power that you've seen in your life the extraordinary power that he's demonstrated so no matter what your need is today no matter what you're facing I'm to leave you with these words. He is able. He is able. Matthew 9, 27-29, we find a, a story there, an account where Jesus encountered two blind men. And as Jesus passed on from there, two, bl- two blind men followed Him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, Son of David. So these blind men were... They were in a state that seemed hopeless. They couldn't see. But they cried out and said, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? That was the question that Jesus asked. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. So this morning, we may be like the blind men. We may be in a spot, we may be in a point where we feel all hope is gone. We, we may need a touch this morning. He is able. Do you believe He can? And as we see from this passage this morning, and as, as Jesus touched the blind and restored their sight, because of their faith because of their faith they believed that he was able so this morning I'm we're going to go into prayer now and Trey's going to come and and lead us with a song of invitation so uh, I just ask that you would let the Holy Spirit move in your heart search your heart this morning and you'd be obedient uh, as, as, as he's directing your heart this morning so let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for this opportunity to be in your house today. We just thank you for your word. We just thank you, Lord, for the power that we find through the Holy Spirit. We know, Lord, that we're nothing on our own. We can't do anything. We need you. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you today. Whatever the needs are in this congregation here today is as we sing this song and there's a time for response, whatever the needs are, we just trust. Maybe it's there in the the pew or maybe it's here in the altar that we would come and we would turn over our cares and we would leave them with you, Lord, trusting you, Lord, that you are able. Give us the faith and give us the strength today that we would just obey. We would believe because you are able. Thank you again, Lord, for all you've done here today. Thank you for uh, meeting among us, for the presence that we've felt. And we just pray now that your will and your way would be done in this hour of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.